0: I'm Marissa Donnelly, host of the Vulnerability Podcast, a podcast series focused on being vulnerable, being emotional, being deep, and talking about topics that people often shy away from. In this podcast series, you'll see stories of faith, hope, inspiration, darkness, frustration, and everything that really challenges us to speak to our human experience and to do so in shedding our skins and being vulnerable. Hi, and welcome back to the Vulnerability Podcast. This is your host, Marissa Donnelly, and today joining me, I have Kim Walls. She's a mom, she's an entrepreneur, she's a business owner, she's a founder, she's crazy busy, and she has so many exciting things to share with us about figuring out your drive, having mental discipline, and finding ways to pursue your passions, and learning to keep balance in a world that doesn't always allow us to keep balance and what that means. So please join me in welcoming her to our show,
1: and we're going to jump right in. My name is Kim Wells. I am um, a business person. I, I am a founder of businesses and somebody who helped other people found their businesses, sometimes through advice, sometimes with money, sometimes both. I am a mother of two teenage boys. Um, I'm a complete and happily dedicated workaholic. I embrace that about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, balance is definitely something I'm always searching for. It's also something I don't actually believe in. Um, and what I love being outside. I try to take every call that I can walking around my neighborhood. I can relate to that a hundred percent.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining in the show. This will be um, a part of the vulnerability Pad- podcast. And so I want to ask um, to kick off, you know, you mentioned balance. And I think that's, that's a big thing that I've talked about in my podcast a lot is what does it mean to have balance, to be a balanced person? Um, and I like what you said about, you know, whether, whether you think it's even an achievable thing. So what, what does balance mean to you? And how is it kind of that idea of balance or maybe not having a balance really affected your life personally or professionally?
1: I think that, uh, well, I'm a person who didn't grow up with anything that someone might recognize as balance. I grew up in a world where we moved a lot and there were a lot of big changes in every way from financial to marital with my parents to just so much chaos all the time. So I grew up in an environment where I became very comfortable with, with chaos. And I think at some level, as I've learned to try to be a better version of me, recognizing that. My comfort is in chaos um, and trying to understand that maybe that's not the healthiest place to be um, is probably part of how I, I, I think about balance because I'm sort of wandering in and out of what a comfort level that's familiar to me at like the nervous system level and a form of balance that's going to help me reach all the things that I want in life, which isn't necessarily living in chaos.
0: Hmm.
1: Did that make any sense at all?
0: Yeah, actually, I'm I'm really resonating with that because I feel like as a person, I'm kind of in a way like I've been driven by that almost like a self-created chaos that I that I have like with my work. Um, I've just always been like somebody who's always full throttle. Like, I get an idea and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do these like twenty different other things. And so I feel like I function best in this like not, maybe not a chaos, but like a very fast paced environment, but part of my struggle has been you know that that that's like something I identify with and I love that in my like work but then it's also like I'm always trying to achieve a sense of peace and it's like those two things are completely opposite sometimes like my productivity and like balance
1: <laughs> do you feel like that yeah. is does that I do you? I relate to that on every level yes I I love intensity and I love a million things coming at me in a million different directions it feels good and alive and empowering to be thinking about a thousand different things at once but the limited side of that is that if you're thinking about a thousand different things at once and as you just said you kind of can't it makes it harder to complete any one thing Mm -hmm. so definitely definitely seeking completion is a part of How I seek balance. I really need to close the circles, dot the I's, cross the T's, but it's an exercise in discipline that allows me to do that. It's not part of who I naturally am. That makes sense. Do you use like to do lists or like what's your strategy for trying to, you know,
0: close the circle?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I am, I'm, yes, I'm a queen of lists. I love them. I live by them. They, I, you know, I read the tips in the various books. I'm a very avid reader, and so constantly I'm trying to pick up new things that can, again, help me be a better version of myself. Um, and lists are they completely life changing, especially the last list of the night, which is the one thing that I want to get done the next day, just one. It definitely, there, you know, these lists can go on and on and on, but there's always one thing that's either circled or highlighted or whatever <laughs> that is the one thing. <laughs> if I don't do that, I will be unhappy with myself. Sometimes it's, a, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to even do one. I, yeah I,
0: I really get that I like that idea of kind of like going to bed with like the the idea of okay this is what I'm gonna start with because I think the hardest thing for me is I'm like an ongoing list person like the list never ends and it's like oh I'm just gonna you know rewrite it and then like add 20 more things to it and so it's like sometimes it's like I get stuck with the list in front of me because it's like okay there's all these amazing things that I want to do but I don't know how to get started or what to prioritize so I like the idea of just writing down one thing and that's the focus point like even the day before so that you know what's kind of coming you know where to start
1: yeah well and yeah and often and this came from a book actually I think the book is called it might be called the one thing it's some version of that but he the author goes into this whole thing about willpower and how there is not an endless supply of willpower and Generally, we we are, it's easy to do the things that that don't really require willpower because we're so excited about doing them. Mm-hmm. And then there are things that, again, getting back to that idea of discipline, that um, that really require a great deal of willpower. And so his theory, this author's theory, was that if you if you do the thing that requires you to exercise your willpower first, it'll happen. But if you try to do that at the end of a day or at the end of a list. Your willpower is exhausted, and you're much less likely to get it done. And so, the hardest, one of the hardest things, I think, it has to be the the first thing. So, mm-hmm. that's because I'm with you, I have these endless lists too, like endless, endless, perpetual <laughs> things to do. And it, it's always, it's often sort of the things that I don't want to do that get that just slid down the list. Sometimes those are the most important things to do. So, his this author's concept of um, willpower is not an endless supply, really helped me um, figure out how to make the harder things the first things I do. Absolutely. Do you feel like that's kind of weighed in on your motivation as well? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kind motivation. of a tough <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, I think it's totally tied together. That's a great call. Um, motiva- I mean, I do not lack motivation. I'm. I'm like the proverbial energizer bunny when it comes to wanting to, to doing the things I want to do, which it sounds like you are too. It sounds like we can relate on that one. Mm -hmm. But, um, but, but finding the motivation, I mean, I guess I don't have motivation to do the things I don't want to do. It doesn't exist. So it becomes force of will to get those things done. Oh, I like that. I feel like something that
0: I've had some people reach out to me and listening to these podcasts, it's, um, you know, people will say like, oh, I love the way you talk about work and you seem really motivated. How do I, you know, how do I like get motivation? How do I like push myself to do X, Y, and Z or to follow, you know, this dream or to really believe in myself? And I feel like the hard part in answering that question is everybody has a different strategy and so like for me and obviously it sounds like for you too it's like that's a lot it's intrinsic it's you know you have this idea and you're like okay like to do these things that I want to do it's it's fairly easy because I'm, I'm called to do them or I'm pulled to do them or it's like I write these to do lists and then it kind of like it's like I have to do them. Um, but I think finding that motivation, especially like you said, for the things that you don't want to do, like you don't have the motivation to do it. So how do you, how do you find motivation or what, what motivates you to do some of those things? Is it solely the list or is there something else? Is it based like maybe family or relationships? Just like to kind of throw some ideas out there for people who
1: are struggling in this area. Desire. Desire for an outcome. It's, you know, if there's something that I want badly enough and I know that I can't like every step of getting there. I just think about the end. I just recognize I w- I won't get what I want if I don't do the thing that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's more important to me to get what I want. That's just I feel just like looking
0: past it. That's good. I feel like that's so simple, but maybe that that's the truth in it. You just kind of have to find a, a purpose and think of the end goal. I feel like. I've been saying that a lot in like my personal relationships. It's like when I'm getting into a fight with somebody or I'm having like a conflict, I'm like, okay, what's my end goal? My end goal is not to have this argument. My end goal is to, you know, get what I want out of the situation or it's to like fix the problem we're having. So how do I focus on that end goal, you know, in my relationships or, you know, in work or whatever it is, the thing I don't want to do, if you focus on that and you're like, okay, let me get from point A to point B. That means I have to do this to get it done or I have to, you know, resolve this conflict to move to that healthier place.
1: Yeah, or overcome that fear, or you know, I, I one of your podcasts I was listening to. You were talking about, um, I'm not sure what the title of the podcast was, but you were talking about um, really looking at what it is you're trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. and recognizing how important is that to you really, and what are what are your real objectives and stepping away from the idea of being measured by somebody else and thinking really about how you measure yourself and so what you're making me think about right now is this idea is if a goal is something that I really want badly not something that I think I should have or something that somebody else told me I should want if it's something that I'm in touch with that I really want which could be as simple as resolving a conflict with a friend or maybe it's building a new business it could be anything Mm -hmm. Um, but if I'm really if I want it not it's not coming externally then then that helps me drive forward whereas I do tend to peter out on the things where I'm like well I should do that because so-and-so said I should do that my mom really wants me to do that Mm -hmm. but I just don't end up doing it (laughs) I don't I can't get through the hard stuff to do it I mean not with everything obviously but the things I think we're talking about in general the heart drive Mm -hmm. I can say that's true
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think we sometimes fall into like when we fall into the comparison trap because I think that's something I talked about on that podcast. It's like I was so worried about, you know, everybody else's expectations or what, you know, where I measure up and, you know, in comparison to this person or that person. It's like when you get the focus off of yourself and onto everything else and it, it kind of, it's like a block in the way of you actually getting that thing that you want or getting to that next step.
1: Yeah, yes, yes. That's what you were talking about. That resonated with me. Yeah. And it's like, you have to learn to, it's, I think it's
0: fear-based. A lot of it is fear-based. And then a lot of it is just like, we turn the perspective away from actually what it is that the end goal is. And we're looking at everything else. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, this is all irrelevant. What's, what really matters is my mindset and what I'm going to try to do to get there. Not what everybody else is doing or thinking.
1: Yeah. I feel like I have to give us the personal caveat to being like, not at the harm of someone else. Cause yes, I like, I I can hear it in too. Like I care about what I want and I'm talking a lot about what I want because I think maybe that's the nature of the show um, and or of the topic, uh, but, but not at the expense of other people, you know, not ever hurting somebody or not caring what somebody else wants. Although sometimes it is important to dismiss what somebody else wants and to say no. Um, but I, but I don't want to, I want to make sure we're keeping balance sort of the day um, yeah. <laughs> in how we're talking about what we want. Yeah, what no, we're you're, willing to do to get it. You're absolutely right.
0: It's, 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 it's finding that balance between, like you said, finding that balance, but between, you know, I need to be selfish about the things that I want, but not so selfish that everything and, you know, my desires come before everything else. Because especially, you know, as a parent, I'm sure you can understand that, you know, with family relationships, with, you know, personal relationships, et cetera, those things, you know, you cycle in and out of their priority and it's not you shouldn't always be putting yourself first I'm glad you made that point because that's so true you don't want to be following your dreams or your passions at the expense of everybody else in your life you do have to kind of take a step back and be like okay I need this and I'm going to do this but also like you said not at the expense of the people I love or you know other people in your
1: circle in your life yeah it's hard it's a hard it's a hard thing to balance sometimes and I have a fairly unpopular opinion with some people actually about the parenting. And um, and about my needs as a, um, you know, I'm really comfortable working as much as I do. And I work from home most of the time. I've had very few situations where, really in my whole career, where I've had to be away from home. So that's been really empowering as a parent, like crazy empowering. To be able to just be home and transition between work and parenting activities and choices and responsibilities pretty fluidly. Mm -hmm. Um, but my kids see me work and I'm perfectly happy to tell them, Hey, I'm on a conference call. You're going to have to wait. Love that idea. Can't wait to hear what you want, what you need, but your turn's in 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes that's a little bit unpopular because people are like, Oh no, no, you know, kids should be always, always first. And I just don't believe that. I believe we need to sometimes put ourselves first because they learn from us. And if they see us and this is somebody else's, there's a great quote about this and I don't remember the quote, but the concept of the quote is, parents are the models for their children. And if the children see the parents putting themselves second all the time, the children will learn that they should put themselves second all the time. And that that's opposite, really, of the goal that we want. Like, we want our children to be brave and strong and empowered and confident and all these wonderful things. And if we don't model that, they won't do it mm-hmm. without a lot of therapy anyway. <laughs> no, but that, I mean, that's such a great point because I think, like, I'm learning
0: and in, in being a bonus mom to my boyfriend's son is like, I want to prioritize him so much. And so I'm always trying to put him first, but then I've also been learning, especially this summer. I'm like, wait a second, you know, like I love you, but I have stuff to do, <laughs> you know? And so it's, <laughs> new for me, it's new for me figuring out that new sense of what does balance mean when I'm, and I have these two very big and very distinct roles, but I love your point about that. I think we need to, as a society, learn to kind of like throw away those like, judgments from the world and be like, no, okay, you know, this is my choice. Maybe it's unpopular, but I do need to prioritize myself. Sometimes I do need to prioritize my work and my business because when I do, I'm prioritizing myself, you know, my self care and also like my financial stability and, you know, X, Y, and Z, which in turn does benefit the kids and the family. So I like that you're bringing that up because I think it's important. And I don't think it's as unpopular as you think. I think people just maybe don't talk about it as much, but that's what makes this
1: podcast exciting is that we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you tackle a lot of hard subjects. It's fun. I I love engaging in those kinds of things too because I think it's important that we all, you know, speak our minds and and a lot of times people don't and I wish that they did. Yeah, absolutely. I feel
0: like some of my strongest perspectives have come from hearing such opposite and then learning, okay, well I, I like this and this from this idea, but I actually like this and this from this opposite idea. And then kind of learning to figure out where I fit and if I fit like a certain category or if I don't at all. And it's it's kind of interesting. It's like it's our way of forever learning, which I think is such a human thing and such an awesome thing. Yeah.
1: I like that I like that uh those words together, forever learning. That's fun. I also yeah. love the phrase bonus mom. I had a bonus dad and he was, he rocked my world. I, he was amazing, really, really amazing and very much a true, true, true parent to me. Um, and the phrase bonus versus step, I think is a really important way to frame relationships. Our, you know, our words and you know, our choices of words are so important. Mm-hmm. And I love that you just said that.
0: Well, it's, it's awesome to hear too. I feel like I love that phrase, especially for me, because I'm not, I'm not a step parent. Like my, my boyfriend and I were not, we're not married. And so when I came across that phase phrase and kind of like made it part of my identity, I'm like, I love it because it makes, it makes it feel like, you know, in my boyfriend's son's life, like I'm a bonus. I'm, extra special like it kind of gives me like a little like (laughs) sense of like cool you know I'm not replacing anyone I'm not coming in and stepping on anyone I'm not like a you know a thing off to the side I'm a bonus I'm something additional and I can kind of figure out how I want that to look like and how you want that to look like and yeah it's I love that identity become a real part of my identity in the recent years and it's it's been fun
1: well congratulations
0: thank you (laughs) you're welcome Uh, um, but you've been talking a lot about business and about you know mm-hmm. working from home and things like that. So I did want to ask um, some questions just sp- specifically about work and um, just to kind of share with listeners who you are and what you do um, so that they can kind of get a sense of the behind the scenes and get to know you a little bit more because they hear a lot about me.
1: <laughs> oh, well, okay. um I am. Uh, I, I, a true entrepreneur. I really, I started my first business when I was very young and tried working for other people a few times. And uh, it just, I was never really truly happy um, with that. I, not, I love teams and I love working with people, but somehow I just always end up in this place where I'm like, but this should exist. And it, it just doesn't. So I guess I have to make it. And I mean, it's just kind of the fundamental thing I think of everybody's story who makes things, whether it's podcasts or books or businesses or whatever, that process of creation, that process of building something from nothing. Like, I love construction. I love, I told you earlier, I walk around the neighborhood and a lot actually, kind of like the, the meandering person. I know everybody by waving. Um, but I, one of my favorite things to see is a construction site and to kind of track it, whether it's daily or weekly or what have you to see a building go up. I think it's so incredible and so inspiring and it's, you know, whether it's a building or a book or whatever, it's just, it it is so motivating and it makes me so happy to see. And I have no idea why, but I don't really need to know. Um, so currently I'm the, uh, I'm a co-founder and CEO of a business. Um, well it's really this is, I think this is incredibly cool so there's a family I started working with who had Sicilian roots mm-hmm. and they went the, the person, the man in the family told his grandmother that he would go back and find the land where she was born and he would give back to her community and he did that um, as he was kind of moving into his retirement and he ended up finding the land where she was born buying it, rebuilding the home that was there from rubble um, on its original on its original foundation, and then, because there was so much poverty in the area and so much opportunity to help uh, and really probably because it made everybody feel so good and it was so needed, he just kept buying the land around his grandmother and um, giving the people who owned that land previously work for life and all of a sudden these people who were impoverished had opportunities to get married or get educated or you regain their status in their family because they were gainfully employed or, you know, all these incredible opportunities. Um, and I, my background is in skincare. My father founded a skincare company called Epicurin mm-hmm. a long, long time ago. And so I grew up you know, around him, always doing different things to help him, um, whether it was working with formulations or educating about skincare or you know, any of those things. I just, was around skincare my whole life, and so ended up in that as a career. Uh, but what I actually studied was anthropology um, and art history and religious studies and <laughs> pathology. And so it was this really sort of I don't know multi. There was just so so much going on. But in the end, I was studying brands, um, and I didn't realize that's what it was. But brands represent you know personalities in our culture, and they have Expressions and artistic forms, whether it's clothing or packaging or all these different things. Um, and they have codified language in their branded language. They have all these elements of culture and religion and art. Um, and it really kind of came together with what I grew up with and knew just because of, I mean, kind of the classic in your blood story. Uh, so I started making skincare brands. And so my co founder, it's Croatian originally. Her family was Croatian and they also used olive oil really robustly in their skincare practices um, and we just started talking about what could we do with this farm and as I started researching the ingredients and what was available, we discovered all these medicinal plants that had incredible skincare benefits and so then the challenge became well how do you take the plants and turn them into skincare ingredients because the plant isn't, it's not like food where you can kind of pick the plant and then cook with it and eat it. Mm -hmm. In skincare, you have to then go through the additional stage of turning it into an ingredient that can then be used in skincare. So there are all these, like how do you make sure there are no uh, components of that plant that are bad for skin and purify those out. How do you make the consistency and the stability right? And then how do you mix them together? And so there's this whole science and art there. Um, and so over the last two years, we've been figuring out how to make what I honestly can say I think will be the world's best skincare products
0: awesome. from
1: these ingredients. Yeah. And it's like the land is literally on the other side of the mountain is Pellegrino water. It's the, the, and that's what's feeding these plants is the spring water that's coming from the mountains is so pure. And the land hasn't been cultivated for over 400 years. So wow. it's got... You know, the the nutrient density in it is intense and I mean I could go on and on I don't want to be boring but the it's it's really so we ended up making or are currently creating three different skincare brands one for babies which is called bambini fortuna one for um, men and women called fortuna skin And then a body brand, which is built on a whole new science about the sensory system in the skin. So it turns out, this is fairly new science, that there are um, taste and smell uh, cells in your skin. Mm. And when those cells become aged and less active, our our entire sensory system is depleted a little bit every day. And so when you can reinvigorate those specific cells within the skin, you can literally feel more alive. The wind feels stronger. Everything feels more vibrant. And so we're creating a body care line around that called Essere Fortuna, which means to be fortunate in Italian. So that's, that's, yeah, it's so fun. And so I'm the CEO and co-founder of those companies. Um, And then Years ago, I started research in premature baby skin and created the first, years ago, the first organic skincare line um, that was ever used in hospitals. And that was partly um, because I really didn't want harsh and harmful chemicals to be used on babies. And that's what I was seeing happening. And it was the units that had premature babies that were more aware and paying more attention and willing to create change. Um, around the the skin and recognition that, oh my gosh, the skin is the largest organ of the body. And a great, I guess there's some great math that helps people recognize how important the skin is to health. So if you think about your heart, your heart can be 60, 70, sometimes 80% clogged and blocked and your day-to-day reality will barely shift. Like you won't notice, doctors might not even notice. You can lose an entire kidney. You can have half your kidney function. No big deal. Not noticed. Life's fine. Yeah. If 30% of your skin surface is burned, you're probably going to die from infection. Yeah. It's such a, it's so So telling about how important it is. Yeah, it is. And people, so it's really only in more recent years where people are recognizing this organ of skin as a vital component of health and wellness where it really needs to be treated with natural organic ingredients it needs to be cared for it can't be left untended to for people who really truly want optimal health it can it can shift in very dramatic ways not only by how it looks but by how active it is because there are cells within it which are identifying invaders in the environment so if you're going to get a cold it's actually your skin that reacts first and tells your body hey wake up pay attention um, and then starts kicking out the right different types of things within the body to fight that cold. Yeah. So I'm kind of all over the place, but this is why I was sort of saying earlier in the interview, where do you want me to focus? <laughs> because it all comes down to sort of career in skin and beauty and health. Like health and wellness is what I'm really passionate about from a career perspective, and that has taken the form of skincare. Um, and then beyond that, it's taken the form of building brands. So. There's a brand called, one of my brands is called BEB Organic. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an acronym for Best Ever Baby, and that is skincare with a complex in it called PhytoCura that is designed to um, reactivate what's essentially the body's own stem cells for healing and wound repair. And that is what's used in many, many neonatal intensive care units in preemie babies. Um, And then there's another one, (laughs) uh, another (laughs) That's called Kelsen, K-E-L-S-E-N, and this is a men's grooming brand um, that is all about sparking creativity, and it's all about um, raising awareness for environmental issues around microplastics, because we consume about a credit card's worth of plastic every single week um, in the form of microplastic, which is primarily coming from our water, beer, shellfish, and salt. Wow, and interesting. Yeah, yeah. And there, um, there was, when I went to, when I started formulating these hair care products, I realized there was no pomade that didn't use microplastics. I think maybe the last 100 years, I don't know, 80 years, um, it was discovered that plastics work really well to mold and shape hair. And so now every single pomade that I've been able to find uses microplastics. So I worked with lab chemists to develop the first microplastic-free pomade on the market. And that'll launch in a couple months. Wow. And that's my career right now. (laughs) That's amazing. As of today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I mean, just listening to all this is just, it's so clear how passionate you are about all these different topics and health and wellness and just awareness. And I don't know, I think it's just going to be really inspiring for listeners to just hear the passion in your voice and just to become aware of different things that they might not have heard. Um, And I feel like, especially for this podcast, like there's such a wide and diverse audience. Um, So just to kind of, speak to and kind of hone in on something that I really want them to take away I mean not only the awareness um, but especially the passion just in your voice and in what you do so if there was like one one thing to kind of give listeners right now just um, based on you know your passion and kind of your drive for these different businesses and these different avenues of your professional career what would you kind of like a takeaway you know what's one thing that you would share with the audience just about motivation or kind of finding the passion to do the things that you know, you believe in, what would be like just a little nugget to leave them with?
1: Um, I, I would connect directly back to your topic about vulnerability and, um, and my personal recognition that while I hate failing, like if this wasn't a podcast, I would definitely be using a swear word in front <laughs> of hate. Failing, Mm -hmm. I uh, I'm willing to. I'm really willing to. I love the journey so much. I love the in the same way I love to see a house built. I love to go through the process of trying to create these things and feeling like they're making a difference in people's lives. And there's a really high rate of failure in what I do, and I have failed before. And oh my God, do I hate it! And I know it might happen again, but I am willing to engage in that because the doing of the work is so, it feels so good.